Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we're back with another episode as we are one week closer to the season opening or the season restarting. Uh, The Islanders and Rangers will have a game on July 28th, I believe, to set things off, and then we get into the playoffs August 1st. Rangers will be the opening game, so I'm super excited. I feel like the next 15 days or so are going to be dragging so much so that I I like I have to just like almost keep my mind off of hockey because I just look at that date and I'm like it's so close but yet it's still so far away especially you know given the current environment right now so Andy how's it going how was your week it's going good um my week has been pretty good uh not much has changed in my life and until uh I am back to work full time. I assume that's going to stay the same. But the fact that uh, the only benefit right now to being uh, unemployed due to COVID-19 is that the way that they finally have scheduled these games is that every day I'll just be able to roll out of bed, uh, brush my teeth, put on coffee, and then around noonish I can start watching hockey, which is pretty amazing. But also maybe not so good for my own personal health and lifestyle in the month of August. But I'm obviously super stoked. Um, you know, obviously in the back of my head, as excited as I'm getting, I keep thinking the most 2020 thing would be get right to like the 27th right before teams are finally going to leave, depart for their new homes, and then in practice we find out that like McDavid uh it was like unfit to play and then they just shut it all down and it's like nope we're not going so I'm trying to stave off any negativity like that because that's how my brain works sometime but I am obviously like you James I'm excited but I'm almost trying to like you know I'm trying to just save it save it yeah I'm pushing it down I'm pushing it down and I'll let it all if once they're in the bubble and I know it's finally is gonna happen I'm gonna release all my hockey joy at once yeah there's a lot of emotions that I have right now obviously like like when you have something on screen right and you can read the schedule and like this is what it is and then they announce you know the Rangers and Islanders will be playing against each other as like a little warm-up game and I'm like oh my god even that's like a huge deal 
and you see how close it is, but yet then you realize it is still so far away and you know, you know, some of these players are going to test positive. Like statistically speaking, it's going to happen. And I keep in the back of my head thinking that there's no way that the NHL didn't plan for players to test positive. Like they have to know statistically someone's going to get it. There's going to be an uptick in numbers if they're keeping this group, huge group of players together in a, in a hotel that someone's bound to get it. And I, in the back of my head, I'm like, all right, that's the worst case scenario. And there's no way the NHL didn't think about that and have a plan B to keep this thing going. Because I feel like if this gets shut down in the next couple of weeks, because it gets that bad, it's done. It's done. Right. They're just, yeah. they're just going to hold off and just start the next season fresh. Well, you know, the one thing is, and, and I apologize if you hear the trains going around the track, uh, I live very close to an elevated subway. So, or I guess technically wouldn't be a subway, but you know, New York city subway elevated. Um, but yeah, it's funny how it seems the goalposts for this sort of thing kept getting pushed back. It was at first, it was like guaranteeing the hundred percent safety of everyone to then it's like, well, if we, if we're under, if, if uh, positives are under this number, we'll go. But I, you know, I think it, I'm pretty sure it's built in. Hence we have this, this new unfit to play, uh, every, you know, with now that all the training camps are underway, we keep seeing reports from practice that this guy's unfit to play and this guy's unfit to play. And obviously you don't know what that means today. Uh, David Pasternak and Andre Kasha, uh, were unfit to play and Pasternak's a pretty important player. So yeah, it's just, uh, it's going to re- lead to rampant speculation, but who knows? It could be, it could be a few things, you know? Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure they're accounting for this and, it is really going to be once the players are in the, bu- you know, they, they should, you would hope that they're, I think we, it was Patrice Bergeron who had said that it's really behooves the players to like, before they go in to be responsible and not essentially not fuck this up for everyone uh, by doing something stupid. And like your last night, because you, you know, you're going to be stuck in this bubble for uh, two plus months, possibly, you know, going out <laughs> in your respective home city and, and just partying and, and then you contracting something and bringing it in, you know? So, uh, but uh, yeah, I think to your point, it's, it's probably, it's most likely built into their model. They still are releasing the numbers. I think they have a threshold. Uh, I don't know if they have an internal, like in case of, uh, you know, break glass in case of emergency number where they pull the shoot. But, um, I think it's kind of built into, the expectation going forward and the protocol because it seems that yeah it doesn't seem to be much uh yeah i don't know it doesn't seem there doesn't seem to be much uh panic within uh with some players not even making it to camp yet uh because of this so well you and sp- because you know the other thing is not sorry i'll let you talk no, no. the other thing is that a lot of times you're getting tested and you know, you've, con- you were asymptomatic you contracted it sometime within the last two weeks and you you know you could uh, I forget what the gestation of it is, but you know, r- right. It's like roughly two weeks or whatever, but, um, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it's just about when day to day, it's like, even when you're going to the rink, just being smart and, and just not talking to guy's face or whatever, you right. know, or in meetings wearing your masks. So, uh, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, knock on wood, it's all, everything right now doesn't seem to be, even though I'm sure we'll keep seeing things like, you know, this player's unfit to play or even though he was good yesterday, but uh, I wouldn't freak out just yet. Yeah, and and they use keywords there, unfit to play, 
because you know if they start using the word COVID, people are, are just in general going to freak out, and you can't have that. So unfit to play is perfect because it doesn't really say anything other than they're just unfit to play, and that's it. It can be anything. So uh, I know there were – I don't know. In the NBA, uh, was it Michael Beasley showed up for the Nets, and then he left like right away, and there's like – some people are saying he tested positive. Others are saying he didn't. And it's just like there is a perfect position. It's like they're handling their business inside. They're trying to make it as safe as possible. Sometimes you just don't need the sports media to get involved and start, you know, micromanaging every single situation that happens. It's like as long as these players are safe, as long as they know the consequences, you just kind of got to take it one day at a time. Also, I wanted to go back to the point where um, Pasternak, you said you think he might have tested positive for it. Well, it just says he's unfit to play. So again, we don't know what that means. I, I haven't been following their uh, the Bruins camp. And if he was there yet Monday, we're, James and I are recording this on a Thursday. So I don't know if he was there Monday through Wednesday. But uh, yeah, it looks like this uh, local, who is this? This beat writer, this, the Bees beat writer, Scott McLaughlin says, uh, Andre Kasha and Pasternak were deemed unfit to participate today. And the original plan was to have them practice. So yeah, I mean that can be anything. Know. I mean maybe it's just like a. T- I know they have the temperature scans, and maybe they ran a little high. I mean it happens. I yeah, mean, you just don't know. It's the middle of the summer. You don't know what they're doing. You know beforehand. I mean, I'm sure you know one of us walked up to a theater <laughs> after a, a a tough subway ride, fighting the trains just to get there on time. That we'd be running a little hot too, only be turned away. So you just never know what it is, and they're not taking any chances, obviously now. So. Uh, yeah, like I said, but I was going to ask you if you, you found out that like, statistically speaking, the residual effects of COVID are basically nothing. Wouldn't you almost want like Panarin and our star players to just to get this out of the way? Well, the one thing is that it it does, there still seems to be, um, I, I don't know what you want to call it. There seems to be dissenting opinions about whether or not you can catch COVID again, or if it's, you can only catch this strain, but there are different strains going around or just on a, you know, like a microbiology level. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not really sure. I, I, I don't know if I'm really honestly, uh, uh, someone who doesn't know openly does not know the facts of that. Like, I don't know. It'd be hard. I wouldn't definitely wouldn't want to wish it on them. If a, you don't know how they'd re react you know, just because they're pro athletes, I don't know if maybe they had something underlying they're not even sure about. And B, at the same time, like you said, if they can get it again and it was all for naught and then they just miss pr- precious uh, practice time, like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. But, like, I definitely understand the, the sentiment. I just, without knowing everything, it's I think it'd just be better to for them to just try to not get it all together, you know, and just try to be responsible the, to the best of their ability, obviously. Yeah, it's just... I. Cause now I'm thinking like, it's just like, obviously a million different scenarios can happen. It's just like so weird. It's like, could you imagine getting you're up two Oh, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, just the freak thing where, you know, five players on the Rangers test positive for it. And then all of a sudden you lose Panarin, Mika, uh, you know, Fox and Shishurkin and you you lose the three games in a row because you're just your team is not no team is really built for a situation where you could lose 
five of your better players and and still you know be able to you know win i mean mean, anything can happen in hockey but you know i I don't like those odds no and you know it's something i didn't really consider until i had listened to it or i actually just wasn't aware of and again i'm sorry for the train it's a beautiful day my windows are open i could shut it but i won't no um because i'm lazy that apparently with in cba negotiations that if this if this never materialized and they didn't return to play the losses would probably be such that the nhl would then not have resumed uh, or just wouldn't won't resume period because of the the hit that they were going to take until there was definitely a, a vaccine uh in you know in north america just so they can guarantee people in seats because that's the only way they could like financially recoup well i don't want to i don't want to interrupt you but i will there was good news out uh two days ago uh moderna, yeah. moderna uh had 46 uh people injected with a vaccine all 46 people had antibodies so uh that i mean couldn't that's ask really for, good couldn't ask for better yeah, news I, uh moderna is also owned uh by bill gates so you knew that was coming and, oh uh, boy! I, now I just can't wait for the portion of the country that refuses to take it because they're not going to let Bill Gates microchip them. What are they well, crazy? Well, that's another <laughs> thing too. Uh, you don't know the effects of even having the antibodies in your system, so it'll be a no. while before. I mean, it should be a year. They're hope. They're, I think I keep hearing end of the year. You know, so I'm I'm assuming sometime. Yeah, that's well. That's December another. optimistically at the earliest, but probably not, and most likely, you know, probably February. Uh, which which is funny because by that time, you know, it'll be crazy to think, but it would be have like almost a year <laughs> from when, uh, you know, the shit hit the proverbial fan in this country. Well, it is crazy because there's some things that I'm like, oh, my God, that w- that was like 10 years ago. And it really wasn't that long ago. Like, think no. of like the Rangers last game against Colorado. That was like I felt like 10. It was like a decade ago. And then you there's know. like other things that like, you know, you know, other things where I'm like that was that long ago. That was April. Like now we're almost into August and like hockey's almost here. It's like weird being on this, I guess, half of the count 2020 calendar. Yo, absolutely. Uh, James, you and I haven't seen each other in person since, uh, well, right. Uh, yeah. the last week of March. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's weird how even within that time span, some things seem like forever ago and something seems like they were just a week ago. It's very weird. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of that has to do with uh, the Groundhog's Day type scenario we have where it's like mostly the same. There's not much breaking things up, you know, especially for you and I who are not employed uh, currently um, that it's like, yeah, the usual you, your your mental focus usually on weekends and things of that nature are it's a little different because, you know, and uh, as Trent Reznor said, every day is exactly the same. Yeah, it's it's wild. And and it's one of those things, too, where, you know, it's got to be pretty wild for some of the athletes because a lot of them, you know, went home to Europe and then, you know, they they went through their respected homes, which is not always in the cities of which, you know, they play hockey. in. so I can't imagine players having that mental break. And then you're always in the part of the year that you always have off. And now you got to pretty much do a complete 180 and get right back into you know, playoff hockey, that's got to be like one of the bigger, you know, mind fucks that, you know, any athlete could go through, you know, it's just like, yeah. it's very bizarre. Like you should be gearing up for an actual season right now, not, 
you know, not getting gearing up for a playoff run. Yeah, and it's funny because it's like David Quinn has keeps say harping that he's made it, you know, because he gets asked about which goaltender is he gonna go with, which uh uh who's gonna play, like is anyone competing for spots? And he keeps making it uh, exceedingly clear that this is not a reboot, that they are re- they are unpausing and they're trying their best to pick up right where they left off because they can't afford not to. Uh and to treat it as such to treat it as just like a, like starting over from scratch uh, that will not serve them in the thing where it's like whoever can get their uh, their mojo back the quickest, you know. So yeah, yeah and it's tough, and it's kind it's it's a t- it's a it's a hard task. But from the videos that have come out from the first few days of uh, training camp, it seems that everyone was in very good spirits. Obviously, happy to be around other humans and have that this hockey back in their lives. You know, you don't know what you got till it's gone. Uh, and honestly, just from watching it, they, it practice looks pretty fast. Um, you know, uh, we've seen, heard reports that every, you know, the beat writers were saying that Kako looks much, uh, a little bit slimmer and quicker. And from the videos I saw, he definitely looked more spry and that he was skating, uh, faster. So I don't know if he spent this time in Finland working on his skating and just getting leaner and faster, but it definitely, it looked to me. And then I think someone said he beat, um, if, uh, like Gautier, who was a, a horse in like a 50 50 battle, like pretty convincingly. And so, yeah, now I'm getting that's the type of stuff that really gets me excited to see that it's like, you know, we forget that this kid had he didn't stop playing hockey from, uh, I guess, uh, I'm trying to think he had his, you know, his full league season last year and international tournaments and right, went right to the world championships and right to rookie camp and then to, pro, you know, to Traverse City, then into the Rangers camp. So he hasn't stopped playing. And, uh, you know, anyone who knows usually that what the things your body needs to like really digest things is you need rest and you also need, uh, yeah, you just a, a little bit of distance away to kind of get acclimate because, you know, yeah, just like anything. It's like you do, you practice something every day. You don't really see those effects until then you then just like stop, allow yourself to, to, you know, absorb it without having to just be in it. And then just, you come back and now it's like innate, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, everything has to kind of consolidate and then, you know, and then you can gain that next level up, consolidate, gain that next level up. I mean, that's why it takes years to develop, you know, some, you know, some players, it takes years, you know, five years to really hit their peak and hit their stride. Other, obviously other players are, are gifted right off the bat. But, uh, so let's get into like the kind of the, you know, the obviously the roster was announced of who who's in camp. Was there any players that were you're surprised that were there or um, um, not really? You know, I was more surprised by omissions. Leah Sanderson, not really. I assume they just like it wasn't a sure thing. That relationship still a little rocky. Um, uh, you know, I was surprised Igor. We talked about it a little bit. I was surprised Rykov wasn't there, but I don't know if that's still from the from the injury and they're saying like listen like you need to just you're rehabbing this this is not you've missed a lot of hockey this year like we just need you to focus on getting healthy or if he's just someone who's like you know it's not happening the rangers i'm looking at the depth they have coming in on defense so i'm just probably going to apply my trade elsewhere so i don't know what that situation's like um as far as it that was uh i guess what brandon crawley was made the, the roster right yeah um yep uh, South Kent, uh, South Kent alum. <laughs> so him and I have that in common. Uh, yeah, no, it was, that's pretty cool to see that. Uh, and then uh, the one player I did really want to talk about was Keandre Miller. 
I know he's noted as that he can't actually make the final roster. Like he's only there for phase three camp and then I guess leaves. Um, you know, I, I just want to see how he looks, you know, with the big boys. I mean, this is a huge, you know, experience for him to get on the ice with, you know, some of his future teammates and kind of, you know, see what he needs to work on, see what his strengths and weaknesses are. And, and I think it's really good for the, you know, organization and, and, you know, the, you know, the, the management to see him and just, you know, this way they can really focus on what he needs to work on and get him ready. Cause obviously given his size and, and his assets, I mean, he should be a very good player and for the New York Rangers in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, it was said that he didn't, he didn't look out of place. He didn't really like impress either way, but not looking out of place being that young is, uh, is good. And then there's, I saw some clips of him and Fox doing a little breakout with each other with uh, him, Fox actually p- switching to his offside. Uh, and those two were good because I think, you know, maybe the little bit of Fox is so smart. I think you could put him anywhere. Uh, maybe putting him on the left hinders him a little bit, but it looks like the slack was picked off by, K Andre who can easily is such a good fluid skater that they were kind of doing little switches and it was uh they were both kind of rushing the pucks up the ice themselves so I was like oh that's really interesting you know so uh yeah I mean the Rangers just looking at coming into the season there was a lot of questions about what impact the younger guys will have and if you just look at I mean just going through the list I mean between Hedl, Howden, Capo, Kravtsov, if he makes it, uh, Lemieux, and then obviously, you know, we, now we have uh, Keandre in, in camp and Adam Fox and Ryan Lindegren. It's, you know, it feels real good to ha- just to have that type of youth in your system currently in some way, shape, or form, either contributing or right on the cusp of contributing. That's got to be a real feather in their cap for what they've been trying to do, you know? Yeah. I got a question for you. And now sure. I, his name's slipping my mind, but who's the goalie that we got from Philly? Oh, uh, uh, Jean-Francois Berube. Yeah. Why is there a reason why he's not there? I think, I, I think that just adds more water to the whole, like he's an, ex, he's here to get, <laughs> to get put exposed in the expansion draft. <laughs> exactly. They're like, they're like, like Jean-Francois, we're going to pay you. You don't have to, you know, uh, you don't have to leave uh, Quebec. You can stay put. Don't even worry about it. And you know, it would I, be I, really. I'm sorry funny. if you're not if you're not from if you're not from there if you're not from Quebec. Yes, he's from Quebec. Whew, whew. It was yeah. a it's pretty easy shot. Um, but yeah, they're like, don't don't worry about it. We're gonna pay you your contracts. We're gonna expose you later. Uh, and then you just come back to the AHL next year. You know, I think obviously because they already have three goaltenders up. Although, were they allowed to have unlimited goaltenders for camp? Is yeah. that something? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, obviously you have to split time, and I think they do want to see what they have in Hushka, so I understand wanting to get him there. So splitting time amongst four goaltenders is hard enough. So maybe that's why they were just like, you know, Hushka's a guy who might actually figure into this team. So, you know, we're not going to... Well, It's more important to get him reps with the with the big club than it is uh, Berube. Yeah, no, I just figured if you're allowed unlimited, like, why not just bring him just, you know, just to see, you know, what he is and stuff like that. Yeah, and I do think that because, like I said, the Rangers have three goaltenders that are kind of vying for the net that you kind of have to give them each as much more time than teams that kind of already know who their starter is, you know? Yeah, um, and I had another question, too, for you was, 
the um, exhibition game that the Rangers will play against the New York Islanders, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously that's not for a couple weeks. Is there a rule for how many are allowed to dress? Like, is each goalie going to play a period? You know, if you, how are you going to play if you're a Quinn? Are you going to dress extra guys? Uh, you know, obviously you want your big guns to get some real game time experience. You want, you know, certainly the younger guys to like feel like they're back into it and stuff like that. But then, you know, there's there's also, you know, something to say about the goaltending end where, you know, being in a game is a lot different than practicing with the, you know, the number one squad or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like you need reps, you need shots, you need game experience. And you don't really get that out of a scrimmage at practice. But, you know, you do get it out of, out of a game like an exhibition game. So is there is there a plan that you would you would have going into this? Because I know I would probably dress three goalies and have them pl- either two of them split or they each play a period. I was actually thinking that I would probably play all of them, give them each a period. Um, Quinn keeps kind of harping back on the fact that they're trying to pick off from the season. And I think he was kind of a even yesterday he commented that uh, without explicitly saying it that Igor was, has been very good so far. And it looks like out of camp, even though everyone's been playing very pretty well, the goaltenders, that Igor probably still has the slight advantage just because he's been, pl- you know, he's better now and he was playing better in camp. But it's yeah. only three days, so it's kind of hard to judge. You know, maybe it'll be different by the time this comes out on Monday and they've had a few more uh, practices. But um, I would do that. I would dress all three of them. I'd give them each a period. Um you know, just to see if, I mean, that's only, if that's allowed. Cause who knows? Maybe yeah. if it's, it's less about Igor starting and then who's just going to be the other guy, you know, if it's a Georgiev or a Hank, if you need someone to come in relief or someone who gets hurt. And yeah. I mean, I spoke about this before though. I feel like the goaltending position between camps, uh, cramp camps, I'm talking about cramps. You never know what these goalies will go through with a quick turnaround. You know, they're not used to, you know, you know, the goalies are always about repetition. And I just feel like going into this, you never know what you're going to get out of your goaltending, whether it be an injury because you tweak something because you're just not used to those movements. There's only so much camp can do. Game time, Games are totally different. And you have such an intense atmosphere right off the bat that, you know, you you never know. Anything could happen. Uh, you know, so I, it was just like one of those things where, you know, you do want to get each of these goalies experience, even if it's not, it's not about, you know, I've read, you know, the New York Post article this morning saying that Igor, you know, looked the best. He looked like he's picking up right where he started. But, you know, anything can happen. This is it's never really been done before. So they kind of have to, you know, be cautious and definitely get each of these goalies a little bit ex- experience going into it. Yeah, because let's say Igor has three bad games. In, or No, I'm sorry. It's a best of five, right? Yes. Let's say for some reason knock on wood, not saying this will happen. Igor has two real bad games or just two games where he doesn't look great. And it's like now behooves the Rangers to climb out of this hole. And it's just like, you know what? Henrik Lundqvist sitting right there. He's got something to prove. Maybe, you know, maybe it's just the, the kick in the ass he needs and the team needs to like, you know, considering he's been very good against Carolina, which throws another monkey wrench into it. Everything aside, Hank has been absolutely, he seems to, it's best game of the year. I mean, this year. Yeah, they, they, they had it on TV yesterday, the, the game where he absolutely, you know, stoned them. And, you know, maybe if, say for a few breakdowns in front of him, he was absolutely insane, some of the saves he was making. So, yeah, but um, you're right, James. You don't know what's going to happen. So it's like you, you kind of 
it's it's tough to serve that many masters but at the same time because of things that injury or uh covid related you don't know what's going to happen so you know we've seen we've seen pictures of uh i don't know what life is going to be like in the hotel or how chummy these guys are going to get but you know all it takes is uh you know just a few guys you know whatever yeah something happens you don't know so yeah, never know never know uh yeah no it's it's just a you know crazy situation obviously you kind of want it all to get here all at once so you know the answer to, to these questions because we're going to be asking them for the next you know few weeks uh is there a word on how Kraftsoft uh look i've heard he hasn't stood out uh not that he's been bad, but I just heard he hasn't really stood out. But he's only had one day of real like practice with the main group because they've been kind of that's he's been that second group yeah. that's been a little sequestered. So you know, it, I the one comment I saw on that is that he didn't really stand out either way. I saw a clip where he was just making plays because that's what he does well. I just think, I think it's one of those things that I don't know if he's there's any really any chance of him playing his way. And I don't think it's necessarily because of a talent thing. I just think it's just, no, you need, you know, to... what Quinn keeps saying they have this thing or are they really going to change it up now? You already have Gautier who's big and looks good. It's like, you know, uh, I, you know, I don't know. And I hope he doesn't take that the wrong way or whatever. Um, but you know, for, for whatever you Quinn is, a is an, is an effort, uh, he harps on it a lot and crafts off. I mean, I don't know him and he has that thing where he just kind of looks like he's, he's a fluid skater. He just kind of looks like he's waiting and who knows, unless he was someone, he was running around like a chicken with his head cut off, even though it would accomplish less. I don't know if that would help him, but yeah, I don't know. But it's only, like I said, it's only been one practice. I don't know if it's enough to make a decision. Um, Lemieux is probably going to be suspended a game, right? So that's one he's down for, but you already have, Brendan Smith is now permanently a defenseman as per David Quinn. So, you know, there will be an injury. I'm sure someone will get hurt or get dinged up. Uh, you know, I hope he goes with them no matter what. <laughs> You're a slob. Like shut your whore mouth. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, like the, fir- the phrase pigeon toss, like I find that hilarious. <laughs> like as if you were to toss a pigeon. Like, what the fuck is a pigeon toss? No, like you just pigeon toss a guy out of the way. Like, let's go, he scores! Don't forget to catch Stick in Rink, the healthiest podcast in the Vancouver area. Every Monday on the Stick in Rink podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts from, or on the Hockey Podcast Network, every team, everywhere. Well, the one thing I wanted to bring up, too, was, you know, of course, the Rangers don't invite Boo Nieves. You know, what's the point of having, a, you know, a big guy with energy that can skate and, you know, bang bodies? You know, that's probably not beneficial at all on your roster right now to, to you know, at least keep in mind and have in your back pocket. So um, yeah. was there Boo, a reason Boo, why? like why, did I, why you didn't get invited to camp? Yeah. I don't know. I he I think. You know, he seems like one of those guys where it's sometimes organizations just make up their minds about guys. And, you know, the Rangers have been very good about um, if it's not working out, giving guys a fresh start somewhere else. So I wouldn't be surprised if based on this and who knows, he could have just they could have just talked to him and he's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to risk it. He could have opted out, but like he doesn't have to officially opt out because he was on a heart HL's roster, right? Yeah. Um, Do you think he's so, still you know, maybe he's, living outside of uh, Studio Fifty Four? 
<laughs> I, I don't know. I assume he might be wherever he's, I don't know where he he's from originally, but, um, you know, I, I do think it's that, yeah, they probably just could have asked him. It's like, Hey, uh, do you want to come? He's like, well, is it sure? Well, I get, get to play. He's like, honestly, I can really only guarantee it an extra forward possibly maybe. And he's like, uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, you true, know, true. So who knows? I mean, I, you know, I don't know the story. Uh, and I assume that's it, to be honest. It's a, it wasn't a sure thing. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Steven, Steven Fogarty's there. Uh, he's kind of, I think right now he's their pseudo extra forward, you know, their AHL tweener forward guy. Yeah. Just cause he's just exists, you know? Yeah. And that's no disrespect to him. He's in the AHL. He's an awesome player. I just, uh, in the NHL, it's, you know, yeah. And Michael Haley is on the IR, I believe. And is he on the IR, you think, for the rest of the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, he... What was he, the... Uh, I don't even remember. He tore his abdomen or something. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so he's right. probably not there. Yeah. Or he's definitely not there, but he's not... I, I doubt he's coming. I think that's just... You have to list him. Yeah. Because it's like... It's a, not an official opt-out, but... You know, I don't know what that is. Uh, if it's just saving face or whatever it is, but... All right, yeah, so... I guess we can go back. We can go back into some, you know, Rangers that you know were in the news. The first thing I wanted to talk about was Adam Fox. I see a lot of Ranger fans upset that they felt he got shafted in the, you know, Calder talks. But I, I don't. I, I looking at the three finalists. I don't see where Adam Fox really fits in with that that conversation. You, I think the thing is, you could argue maybe for that third spot, but Kubalik was really good. Like I don't, he wasn't, he drive, uh, he drove, uh, offense at a ridiculously high rate this season. He, you know, and expected goals. He was extremely good. You know, he's a bit older, but that's not his fault. Panarin won the, the call there when he was 25 or whatever he was. Um, I think it's a matter of Rangers fans being like, well, Adam Fox wasn't getting the, the minutes or to start or so. like, so like, it's not his fault. I mean, it's not, I mean, you know, I mean, it's not the rest of the league's fault. It's you could bl- be mad at David Quinn for not playing in that position earlier, but you didn't, they didn't know what they have. You know, they were, the Rangers were in a position where they felt like they wanted to break them in slowly. So it's not, you know, I, I understand because you're like, he was so good that they probably could have been doing this, but yeah, yeah, honestly, you just don't know. And it's just the circum a lot. I feel like that with the Calder, a lot has to go, go right for you. Like, if Matt Barzell was on the Islanders and let's say Tavares did walk the year before in Barzell's rookie year. And now Matt Barzell was their pseudo number one center or was like playing heavier minutes and he gets absolutely crushed and just doesn't flourish because he's like put in the middle six role where he has less attention and he's an elite skater. Like, you know, it's a lot of it is circumstantial. It's, and you can only, you can only control what you can control uh, you know, even though it's a nice feather in a guy's cap, I mean, A, you would hope this probably keeps the number down on his next contract. Because if he had called her winner or called her finalist to, to argue as a point, you know. Yeah. I don't, so that's one thing. And yeah, I mean, who like, honestly, they they, they announced that he's not the, like the finals for winning. the Lady Bing today. And fucking Austin Matthews and, and Ryan O'Reilly were two of the finalists. <laughs> and listen, I'm sure they're both great guys. 
But this is coming off a of summer where Austin Matthews and his friend mooned a lady in a parking garage. And Ryan O'Reilly is still a few seasons removed from crashing his truck into a Tim Hortons. Like, I'm sure they're nice people, but why? I don't know why it, it half these awards are just like super inherently flawed based on who they have voting for them. You know, like if like Panarin gets uh, and I'm sure we'll get to this Panarin. uh they the Lindsay, the most valuable players, is voted by the other players in the NHLPA. Yeah. So Panarin is a finalist for that with Drysidel and uh, Nathan McKinnon, and as he should be. But you know, I'm doubtful he's going to win. I. Well, he's not. Or win. I think no. I mean, I th- I think it's possible he wins that, but there's no way they're gonna they're gonna say he wins the heart, which I think would be a mistake. I think he. Sh- I, I'm biased, Rangers fan. I will freely admit, but you look at quality of line mates the you know just his uh his metrics uh and his defensive acumen it just kind of everything stacks up yeah maybe the the counting stats weren't as high but he had the most even strength points in the league so he's not it's not like he's feasting on situations just literally when he was playing he was just you know but i listen i i'm not going to pretend at the same time that the fact that that the shutdown number one line was mika Kreider and buchnevich and the fact that him and strom and fast even though those two guys are uh, maybe not inherently special when you have Panarin and he's maybe matching up against some of the uh, second lines in the league that he can do his thing more. So I'm not going to not argue that, but yeah, I mean these, I, 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 all I'm trying to, I know I'm being long winded. All I'm trying to say is that I've kind of divorced myself from really getting worked up by things like th- these awards a long time ago. You know, I still get worked up by the con Smythe because I do think that's something that's really does hold water, but you know, the the Jack Adams should be called the Vesna Trophy Award. You know, yeah. <laughs> the Vesna should be probably be the, uh, you know, the best team defense award. It's just, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. In my it, estimation. No, and I, I totally get it. I mean, just for the sake of talking about it. I mean, if you look at what the awards are like, you know, obviously there's the, the you know, the most valuable player to a team like, yeah. Uh, look what Panarin did for the Rangers. You take away Panarin, this team is not even sniffing the playoffs. And you wouldn't even be talking about the Rangers winning this round without him. So he means everything to this team. And I'm not taking away anything from, you know, uh, McKinnon and uh, Dreisaitl. But let's face it, they have more ammunition on those teams to get by without those players. I mean, look what Dreisaitl was able to do without McDavid. You don't think McDavid could do the same without Dreisaitl? Like, they're special players, no doubt about it. But they're not, like, you need, like, the most valuable player is bringing value to your team. I think those teams can get away better off than the Rangers could without Panarin. And I think he adds an, an insane dynamic. And, you know, it's a blessing that we're able to, you know, have... Mika also just blossom into this, you know, all-star out of nowhere, pretty much. It seems like over the last couple of years where he's just like, now he can do everything on his own. And it's, it's crazy. It's just an absolute, you know, it's crazy because I'm a Rangers fan and the shit never happens to the Rangers where I get to see a player play at MVP caliber. And it's so special. I mean, the last Yager, I guess, what was the last Ranger to win Ted Lindsay? Right. Yeah, I think, probably. I think so. I'm trying to think. 
Yeah, I think the last Ranger to win any award was probably uh, Dominic Moore won the Masterton, which is a little different. Uh, yeah. And then Lundquist won the Vesna in what was that, 2011, 2012? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then before that, it was uh, the Lindsay was won by Yager. Yeah, and, you know, that was the type, this is the type of season that Panarin is having. And he, Panarin is playing with two guys that if you pulled 90, you know, if you pulled, you know, every single NHL fan out there, they couldn't even name you who Panarin plays with. I bet you they can name who, you know, Dreisaitl plays with. You know, they know that, you know, McKinnon is on the first line of the, you know, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. So, like, you know who those players are. Panarin was always an all-star, but he really carried this team this year, and he deserves some sort of recognition. That's the only thing that bothers me, is that Dreisaitl will be able to do this year in and year out because of who he plays with. You know, the Rangers are building something. I don't think you'll see the effects of Panarin if they keep growing and adding this talent you know, like this again for a team that, you know, was supposed to be in a rebuilding phase and Panarin just kind of brought them to relevancy again with the help of, you know, obviously, you know, having Igor and net, you know, to kind of take over the reins of Hank and, you know, adding players on the back end, like Adam Fox and, and Truba just to, you know, shore up the defense. Like, yeah, we had all those, you know, gaps filled a little bit, but Panarin took us over the top. I mean, what he was able to do this season was truly special. And, Honestly, it's not easy doing it in New York. Not many players can do it in any sport. So the fact that Panarin came in here and did that deserves recognition and some sort of trophy or voting or whatever. Yeah. Um, on the latest 31 Thoughts, the podcast with Elliot Freeman, Jeff Merrick, they actually had a new head coach of the New Jersey Devils, Lindy Ruff, as one of their guests. And they asked him about what he thought about uh, Panarin. And he was obviously uh, super effusive in his praise for him and said, you know, you don't really realize just how much, you know, he's like, I had my thoughts about him coming that I knew he was talented and I knew he, I, you know, I thought of him as like an opportunistic uh, guy who can like shoot the puck and make plays. And he's like, I just didn't really appreciate how he saw the ice and the lateral agility and how he really sets the table and runs almost everything. Like he wants the puck on his stick and he, he literally, his vision is, is some, you know, he's the real deal. And so, you know, he was obviously super high praise for him. And that's the thing. I think Panarin, uh, it's weird because it's like wingers have a little bit of a different mentality around them. You know, maybe Patrick Kane doesn't, but, you know, the whole, uh, you know, it took him a while to get the showtime rep, you know, being clutch and all that. But, you know, Panarin hasn't had, you know, you wonder if Panarin had more, had been on more teams. You know, he gets to, to uh, the Blackhawks right as they are, they're kind of on their way out. They make the, they're in the, that playoffs his rookie year, but then they miss it the next year. Then he's in Columbus, and I think Columbus doesn't make it that first year right, but then they make it the year after that, so um, or the two seasons after that. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, a, a lot of this league is reputation, like you said. I mean, I, I will definitely freely admit that, you know, if you look at how many Dreisaitl did factor for most of his team's offense, and that's you know definitely a feather in his cap. But then at the same time, you look at that he was a I can't. There's no way you can't look at it and say he wasn't. He was also kind of a liability defensively when he was on the ice. Like, you know, yeah, we didn't even really get into the like defensive <laughs> aspect of Panarin's game too. And I mean, how many highlights do you see of Panarin backchecking and picking up the you know the trailer and stuff like that? And you're just like, I can't believe this guy's on my team. And you know, a lot of fans of you know especially Blackhawk fans Penguin fans Boston fans like the Rangers 
you know, should be always be in discussion of, you know, the best teams, you know, the best team in the league and stuff like that. But the fact that we haven't had a player like this, we haven't been that great in a long time. Even when we had our cup run, we knew it was all Hank. Like to have an offensive player like this, we really truly haven't had it since Yager. And this is, you know, you can say maybe Gabrick, but even still, like it wasn't, it wasn't a Yager type season. That was special. But, you know, this is what the season he had. Um, you know, what other player, what other winger could be on a line and put Strom and have Strom in the top 20 in points for NHL in, in, as a center? Like, <laughs> yeah. like if you look at, like I'm looking at the list right now, Strom is a top 20 center in the league. You know, yeah, granted he played nine more games than Bergeron, but he had more points than Bergeron. So like, you know, he was right. He was right there. You you made a very funny point, James. You said that if uh, if you were strictly going on production this season, uh, Ryan Strom would be a borderline lock for Team Canada for the 2022 Olympics. Uh, you know, and it's true. It's just, you know, even Fost, it's just, you know, and listen, I this is not to get us off topic, um, but I will say that, you know, a lot of when these arguments are made, a lot of people think we're trying to like diminish what strom did this year and i'm not like we're realistic about his talent level what type of player he is but i I definitely think he elevated himself you know to play with panarin this year i don't think it was just yes yeah yeah, listen he got a boost from panarin i don't think you, you can't argue against that in any which way shape or form but at the same time like it you know playing with panarin allows guys to elevate their own games you know what i mean it's like not only does he lift them up it's like you know, you, you see those guys talking on the bench and I've noticed a change in how Strom possesses the puck this year and how he protects it. And he looks so much better. He looked like he's skating faster. And it's just one of those things you just, you know, great, the great, the greatest players, they make their line, they elevate whatever line they're on. They make their line mates better. And that's not just by making plays for them, but it's just, you kind of almost through like mitosis, you fucking you absorb how they play the game a little bit. It rubs off on you and then you start playing that way. And that's what I saw out of Strom and even Foss, you know, it didn't look like, you know, Foss just doing his his regular thing. It's like he looked a little bit more offensively poised and confident. And that's just the the magic of Panarin. So uh, I think he should. I hope he wins one of the Lindsay or the heart. You know, I, I I've come to look at the Lindsay as more of the the we know you probably won't win the heart. So we're going to give this to you as to kind of like give a feather in your cap. But you know, and honestly, I think at the end of the day, it might be like uh, McKinnon for the Lindsay and, and then uh, the heart goes to, you know, goes to um, dry Yeah. I, I mean, it, which is, I, you know, and I, I'm ashamed to say this, but if, if I was voting on both awards, I probably might give them both to Connor Hellebuck. Just saying. I know that might sound blasphemous, but listen, man, uh, Hellebuck. Listen, I, I and this is personal for me because I threw money on the Winnipeg Jets total points for the season under, which they just refunded me uh, not that long ago uh, because you know I get, it's a squash, and uh, even though I had it with terms of point percentage, but you know I didn't think they would be anywhere near where they were. They, had no, they have no business being. Where if you look at their defense on paper, they have no business being in the spot they're in, but they are because Connor Hellebuck was the probably the most valuable player in the league this year. So, yeah, that's what it is. Is I, I, and Peon, I tell you what, if he was a rookie, he'd be talked about for rookie of the year. 
Yeah. It's it's unbelievable this kid. I mean, he, I mean he's obviously an ex-ranger for those people that don't know, but you know, just what they were able to get out of that team is unbelievable and I know Hellebuck stood on his head and he really truly I think is you know talk about full-fledged MVPs. I mean, he's definitely got to be in in the, in the talk. Uh He probably won't even win the Vesna. No. <laughs> give it to Markstrom. Yeah, so. they probably will. Which is yeah, and that's a shame that, because that, yeah, that's not how this should work, you know. No, you know, and that's the thing. At the end of the day, none of these awards work how they should work, and it is what it is. Hence, why the only one I really get upset about is the uh, is the Con Smythe. You know, I'm still mad that Kessel didn't win that Con Smythe, and I hate the Penguins. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, like like uh, I'll say this uh, that between Fox not getting the nod and Panarin, good. Keep underestimating the Rangers. I think that's why they're kind of in the position they are. I think teams this season were like, eh, the Rangers are a whatever team. They can surprise you. And then you look at their record and they're like, oh, we really underestimated them. We didn't under we didn't take Meek. We we thought we would just put all of our attention on Panarin and Zabanajad just took over the game and destroyed us. Or we just were like, we have to stop that first line. And then Panarin just literally was out for every other face off and just you know, <laughs> he, he took over or or we didn't think Adam Fox could make heady plays like that. Yeah, you know? that's why I like, you know what? I feel like the Rangers could do really good this this year or this playoff uh, and, and no one's going to respect it. Not one yeah, person. Feels like how, like they, well, they'll do I, well. And I feel like everyone's going to be like, well, this didn't really count. And it's like it's because you guys slept on the range. The Rangers have a ton of talent. This is like the perfect opportunity for them. And I still I, I don't think people will believe it, even if they did win it. I think that honestly, whichever team wins, that their their biggest fan, detractors and and rival fan bases will, no matter who does it. If Philly wins, Penguins fans are going to be like, "Oh, finally, just took a you know an outbreak for the Flyers to finally win something," or no matter what, or the any of the the Battle of Alberta teams or whatever. And you just have to make your peace with that. Like if if the Islanders win, do, don't think that I'm going to be like, "Only took a you know global pandemic for for you guys to do shit." In, in 20 years to get past the second round you know it, it is what it is so you gotta make your you gotta own it and you gotta make your your peace with it but uh yeah it is it is frustrating because that does seem like the really the biggest thing is that uh people kind of slept on on the rangers this season and it worked to their advantage it clearly worked to their advantage so let's oh, hope yeah. it continues to in in this uh this next phase of the nhl yeah, and you know what? I, I know it's like wishful thinking and stuff like that, but you know, realistically, if they do make it past that first round, the playing round, they're going to be in trouble, whoever they match up against. I mean, they look at the top of the East, those teams are stacked. Like the Rangers just don't have the, the depth. They still need time for some of their players to develop. They still need to figure out an identity on the defensive end of the puck. Uh, you know, there's just so many, there's still so many holes. The only reason I think they could have success is that they are young enough and they're hopefully they're naive enough to not look at the team on the other end of the ice and just, you know, play their game, try to prove themselves. That's a deadly combo uh, for teams that, you know, that are a little bit older and maybe aren't respecting this. That's that's my only scenario in which I see the Rangers successful. But I do think like that's probably more likely going to happen. You're going to see a team that shouldn't be sniffing the Stanley Cup in the Stanley Cup finals. I really do think that. But Yeah, it, de- it definitely has that weird like uh lockout 
cup that Carolina one type feel like where it's like a little different. It feels like a little like a off year leap year or some somehow. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think that's good. I think it's good to have a group that's so young that maybe a part of them doesn't really realize the magnitude of with everything going on. You know, a lot of those older guys might be sat They're sacrificing a lot to get back into the, to go into the bubble not being with their families, making sure this doesn't count for nothing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like young players don't have it that much. So maybe it is kind of house money for this young Rangers team that they're too young and inexperienced to really know that it's like, this is like, you're giving up a good amount by going in there. So yeah. make it worth, you know, it's like, if we don't lose, it's an abject failure. I think I saw that or that was said by uh, Nick Felino or something. So yeah, maybe the Rangers don't feel about that. Maybe they're just happy to, to play and to be happy playing hockey. And which that might be benefit. exactly what is needed. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, if you go in having fun and have no pressure on you, you can be more successful. And, and there's no reason why the Rangers can't do that. If they run into a team like Boston and those guys are like, nope, this we're for real here, then, yeah, you're, you're going to get absolutely smothered. The, those teams are way too talented and you really have to catch them off guard. And you're not going to be playing them in a five game series where, you know, you could you know, all of a sudden you're up 2-0 and, and, and you can control the series. But, you know, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. And, you know, and, and the Rangers, don't get me wrong. I Listen, I wrote a blog uh, for the morning skate giving my picks for the playing rounds. And and I'll be honest, I, I didn't take the Rangers. I think uh, Vegas has uh, Carolina pretty heavily favored in it. And I think a lot of people are like, dude, man, Rangers got to take the Rangers. Public is always wrong. And it scares me a little bit because, you know, what does Vegas know that we don't? And, um, you know, one of those things I do think, you know, Carolina last year in the playoffs, they were a force. You know, they do come together. They're a solid team. And, you know, it's going to be a good test for the Rangers without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I because of the the state of the planet right now, I am taking all this as happy. Oh, yeah. The Rangers are playing again. I'm happy. They're playing competitive hockey, getting a, a playoff uh, exposure for the young guys. I'm happy. They win a, a round or two. I'm happy. They lose. They get a shot at Alexi Lafreniere. I'm happy. Uh, and their draft, uh, one of their, like I said, one of their two uh, firsts is low, which is good. Because uh, I don't know how it would go if they would then go right to, I guess, was it eight or nine? Whatever was next on the uh, the list I think is nine. Um, so yeah, it's like, then they have a top 10 draft pick, which is pretty awesome. And I'm just, yeah, I'm honestly, it's all, it's all gravy. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, no, no. I I'm just not, screamed whoa, whoa. Oh, in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> what's, yeah, what's up? Uh, you, I don't know why, why the draft thing got me. I was listening to part of my take that's a, you know, sports podcast for people that don't know. And I had uh, Ryan Whitney on and he was, and he said it. And, you know, obviously he's the host of Spit and Chicklets, which is the number one hockey podcast in the world. And he said that the Rangers are the, like, he goes, he was talking about how chaotic the whole offseason has been so far for the NHL, especially with the draft. And that the Rangers are the only team that have a chance of getting the first overall pick and winning the Stanley Cup. And this was only, like, two weeks old i feel like well he he is incorrect okay they did have a chance but that ended with the the uh the draft the draft lottery okay. because they needed for to for it to ever happen you needed both carolina and the leafs to win uh to get 
to to win a top three pick. Didn't happen. Okay. It's not going to happen. All right. The Rangers can still win Lafreniere now, but they have to lose in the first round, and that's that's it. And you know that's fine because there was a lot. It was com- convoluted to begin with, and that kind of went around like telephone was getting pumped out, but people didn't really bother to read the fine print. Yeah. But that's not that is incorrect. The Rangers can now the Rangers can still get first overall, but that would mean they lost to Carolina. Because now, if the Rangers win and Carolina gets a Carolina owes or Carolina is owed a, a pick from Toronto, uh, sorry, like if the Rangers, yeah, that, that pick is protected. So if it's if we bounce Carolina and they get a top three pick, they don't have to give it because they have they would still have the Leafs pick. And since the Leafs aren't now going to win a top three pick protecting their own pick, then it's they would just give the Rangers uh, the higher pick that whenever Toronto gets bounced, that goes to them. So yeah, okay. that was the only way. Now, so unfortunately, he's, he's unfortunately misspoken. I got a question for you. And yes, what if you're the Rangers and you're Ottawa? Now Ottawa has three and five. Mm-hmm. Would you trade your five pick for the Rangers two picks in the first round? Um. Given if, if the Rangers, this is assu- this is assuming I mean, if the Rangers pick like nine, and- nine, uh, no, I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't. Um, well, because what what they pick three and five, yeah. right? You said, yep. I think top three. I think that you could argue that I would have Alexi Lafreniere, who will probably go first overall in a tier all by himself. Yep. Then there's that second tier where I'd I'd have Stu. I have Tim Stutzla and, and Quinton Byfield. Uh, and then you enter another tier where it's like let the question mark guys, uh, Raymond, you know, Ro- Perfetti, Rossi, mm-hmm. uh, Alexander Holtz. Like, you know, and I, I, the funny thing is that I do think that some of those guys do actually have the the potential to become uh, when it's all said and done, better players than Lafreniere. I don't think it's as, I don't think it's likely at all, but it's possible. I think Quinton Byfield has definitely you look at his raw skill set he could definitely do it just because if he he's you know still extremely talented and he puts it all together it just you know you can't really match what he brings to the table you know and at the same time i don't think anyone thinks has an offensive a brilliant offensive mind is perfetti and and the playmaking skills so but um as tempting as it might be you know, maybe if if the Rangers are picking at nine, unless you could be guaranteed that uh, you know a guy like Jamie Drysdale, who will probably be the first defenseman taken. Wait, uh, Rangers could of, end up drafting though nine and ten, right? Um, because if Toronto well, gets knocked out, Toronto gets knocked out, or well, no, the problem is that because if Toronto, let's say Toronto gets knocked out. And the Rangers get knocked out, and neither of them wins the pick. Uh, Carolina is only obligated to, in Car- that would mean Carolina is still in. Carolina is only obligate has two picks. They're obligated to give the Rangers one. It doesn't matter which one. They'll give them the worst. So if as far as they go, that second pick is not determined until they get knocked out again. So okay. they would just give them the the sheer of the pick. They can't pick nine and ten. So the best case uh, scenario, obviously, is for the Rangers, the, the, removing the number one, is if they lose. They get nine, and then Carolina. Yeah, I don't even. I, I, I I'm not even quite sure if if they get knocked out, how that seeding works. If it just goes by the regular season, like because the Leafs finish with less points percentage than them, so I don't know if the Leafs would be nine and the Rangers would be ten. I'm not really sure, to be honest. I don't know how how that works or if it recedes or what the deal is. Um. So, 
you know, it's very confusing. Yeah. This whole season has been so confusing. I just kind of wait for it to be stated to me plainly in black and white. But my understanding is that the Rangers, um, you know, they if they get bounced in the first round, they'll have an equal shot to all those other teams that got. It's not even around, I guess, technically, it's play-ins. They get bounced in the play-ins, eat 12.5% chance at the first overall pick. And then if they don't get it, I assume it would maybe recede uh, accordingly by points percentage at the end of the stoppage go to get those picks because they all got bounced at the same time. Okay. So that's that's my understanding of it. Uh, I forget how much higher they were because I think them and I think it was really just them and Chicago were the two guys, that, two teams that like just made it in, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I know. So, I think Chicago is the worst team in the playoffs by statistically, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, if Chicago, if I guess if Chicago somehow makes it through their, I, I don't even know who their, who their opponent is in the, in the playing round. Uh, Chicago. Yeah. Oh, it's Edmonton. Yeah. So yeah, which could happen. You know, Edmonton has been good this year and they have McDavid and Chicago's kind of, but I could see, you know, the crafty vet veterans in Chicago kind of rising to the occasion. Yeah. It's tough bet- betting against Patrick Kane in the playoffs. I mean, the guy <laughs> is money, you know, they have one of those rosters where it's like, again, like the Rangers, if they show up to play, you just don't, you don't know. You know what I mean? You really don't. Yeah, know. I, you know, the Rangers beat Chicago this season. They only got to play once because they didn't get to come back, but that was an up and down game. And it was the one game where I thought Igor looked shaky or he gave up a few, he gave up a few goals. He probably should have had, you know, um, but yeah, when there's on there when they're on, they kind of recapture some of that you know, that magic that won them all them cups, and they they're good. But uh, you know, unfortunately, just right now, too many younger guys who are coming into their own, and you know, but who knows? Maybe Doc and Nylander and all these young guys for them are like, you know, they they take a market step forward. Who knows? It's just yeah, it's 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 this is fascinating. I'm just really excited to watch hockey all day. If I'm being honest, so yeah, no, I mean, the schedule is absolutely it's like a dream come true. It's like yeah. a tease where that's why you got to keep your emotions at bay. You got to just take one day at a time. And honestly, the I, I try not to read too much into any of the, the you know, the sporting news. Uh, yeah. You know, the Rangers are looking good. You know, so-and-so is looking good. Just take it one day at a time. You never know what's going to happen. You know, it all can be taken away, you know, a snap of a finger. So let's just, you know, take it one day at a time. Enjoy it. Don't get too happy. It'll come. It'll come. Just got to get there. Grind it out. Yeah. But all right. I mean, that's, I think we're going on an hour here. So, uh, Andy, would you, any final words to wrap things up? Uh, two. One is that, as I had mentioned in the last podcast, uh, when you hear this on Monday, by now, all three parts of my ranking of the top 31 players for the upcoming, whenever that's going to be, 2020 NHL draft should be live on the morning skate. So please check that out. There will be links on my personal uh, Twitter account at Captain Tenniel, or it should be on the homepage of the morning skate. And in each store, there's links to the other parts. So you should be able to just click through. And two, uh, I've been thinking about this long and hard. And, you know, I usually like to sign off by... Uh, telling everyone what season it is. And I think it's come time to finally put, uh, retire the, uh, just because retire this phrase only because, you know, A, it's hard coming up with uh, what season it is, especially as we're in a period where everything bleeds together. And honestly, 
you know, I've been talking about it seemingly be talking about what season it is for forever. And I think we're embarking on something different. So this will probably be the final time I tell everyone what season it is. So uh, unless you do you have any other uh, closing thoughts, James? I don't. Um, you know, I just again, one day at a time. We'll get there. <sighs> August 1st. Yeah. So I, I guess with that said, I'm just going to close it by saying this uh this season is finally over and we're about to start a new one thank you for listening to the broadway boys podcast be sure to follow us on twitter at broadway boys pod and please rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts spotify soundcloud or the hockey podcast network.com you're listening to the hockey podcast network on twitter at hockey New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.